Okay. I don't know what you fantasize about, and if and hopefully it's good, but if not, you can come to the confessional. Um, one of the things I fantasize about is the monastery. Right? And I bet, you know, if you have young, young kids, I know you do too. Um, but if, when, when, when my life is too full, and when I'm like, Lord, I want something, I want peace and quiet. I want to be united to you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have way too much going on. One of the things I fantasize is about the monastery. And last summer, for the first time, I visited the, uh, I didn't even like stay, but I just stopped in and saw it, uh, was a monastery in Snowmass. It's just beautiful. It's in this valley, it's tucked away, it seems like the whole world could just go on and that monastery up in Snowmass wouldn't even know what happened. And the monks there, they can pray, they can work in the fields and harvest crops, and they can love God and they can study. And that just like pulls in my heart. I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. And here's the thing, today when I want to talk about Jesus, the main point tonight I want to get you to think and pray about this week is Jesus calls you and I not to be haphazard about our Christian life, but to be intentional in fighting against temptations to sin. And I want to use this image, and so, so one place my heart longs for is a monastery. But I'm a diocesan priest. Maybe you have that desire for like the mountain home, or maybe it's a monastery. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you think, oh my gosh, this world's crazy. Sometimes people who have moved to Denver, and they move from other parts of the country, and they say, Father Brian, our old place that we lived, it was such a better pace of life. People smiled. Not everyone was driving you know, 15 miles an hour over the speed limit. There was a pace of life where people stopped and talked to each other on the street. And then we moved to Denver and everything's crazy. And this week I was thinking about that, you know, and, and in the city it's so true. If you leave Denver, if you get outside and, and you went, if you could go for a month somewhere else, you would notice your pace of life would slow down. And I promise you, you'd feel more human. You'd say, you know what, I think this is the way God meant for us to live. But sometimes we can't get that. We have to live in a city. We have to live in a busy place. And so I remember one of the things that happened when I was in seminary, and I bet you've noticed this, is our, our seminary here is in the city. And at nighttime, when I was studying for the priesthood, I used to go out at night, and I would take my rosary, and I would just walk and pray the rosary. And sometimes I'd just kind of lose track of where I was walking, and you'd be walking through this neighborhood, and everything looks the same. The houses, you're used to them. There's a familiar pacing of the distance between the houses. And then at a certain point, I would have lost track of where I was walking, and I'd end up somewhere I hadn't seen before, and there was a really nice neighborhood just to the north of the seminary. 
And what I noticed, and this is where I want to go with this tonight, is that those people who have a lot of money, they do something really smart sometimes. Because what they do is they, they make it so these neighborhoods, you don't even know they're there. And I had lived in the city, I'd been in Denver quite some time, and I didn't even know this neighborhood was there because it's like hidden. And what they had done is they had created almost like a monastery in the middle of the city. And here's what I wanted to cut to the chase. What I want to urge you to tonight is that if you're going to obey what Jesus says in the gospel tonight, that's what you and I have to do. Tonight in Mark 9, right, Jesus is going to say, if, you're, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your hand causes you to sin, right, cut it off and cast it away from you. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Right, this is one of those like Hallmark cards everybody gets. You know, you've gotten that card from your grandma. It's like for your first communion. It says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Love, Grandma. Mark 9, 45. Um, what does this mean? If you and I are going to do this, what Jesus is saying is that you and I, we don't compromise with sin. We make war against sin. And how do we do that? And that's why I want to use this image tonight of, if you're going to live in the city of Denver, brothers and sisters, we have to be intentional in the battle against sin. And not just in Denver, anywhere you live, you and I have got to fight that battle. Because the culture is pushing us in a certain way, whether you realize that or not. Whether you realize it or not, you are influenced by the people around you. Whether you realize it or not, you are influenced by the music on the radio. Whether you realize it or not, you are influenced by what you're watching on Netflix. your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Better for you to enter the kingdom of heaven with one hand than with both hands to be cast into the fires of Gehenna. What I want to propose to you is two things. This reading in the history of the church, there have been two applications to this. Two thoughts. The first one's kind of obvious, right? The first thing when we hear this if you read it this week, it might freak you out. I think that's good. We're not playing games in the Christian life, brothers and sisters. Hell is real. Life is short. Eternity is all that matters. We're not supposed to live our Christian lives out of fear, we're supposed to live it out of love. But we are supposed to be sober and serious about how we live our lives. So the first application is just to us. It's to you as an individual. Right? It's so that you know that you have that friend, and every time you meet with that friend, they're pulling you away from Jesus. They're a lot of fun. When I was in college, we used to call them nasty friends. A nasty friend is someone who's like really fun, but you're a worse person by the end of the night. No one wants to do this. 
But at a certain point, if you're not strong enough, you need to cut that friendship out of your life. It sounds harsh, it sounds judgmental. It's radical. There are friendships in my life that I knew if I stayed in that friendship, I wasn't strong enough. When I was a college kid, I knew if I kept this group of friends, I'm not gonna keep myself from marriage. Which didn't work out anyways, right? For priesthood, okay. I knew that was gonna happen if I kept that group of friends. I knew that I would be like everybody else. And at a certain point, brothers and sisters, if you're not strong enough, you've gotta cut those friendships out of your life. But the other application, and I wanna dive into this, is starting all the way back in the third century with Origen. Origen applies tonight's reading to the church herself. If you don't know anything about Origen, there's a, a rumor in his own lifetime that he had castrated himself. It's a false rumor. It's a lie. It was used against him because people didn't like Origen. Uh, Origen, when he comments on this passage, he writes on it and he comments on it and he says, only a fool would take this literally. He says this has nothing to do with actual physical bodily members. Origin applies it to the body of the church. And here's what he says. He applies it to false teachers, to leaders in the church who lead others into false teaching and into sin. So Origin says, if I, who seem to be your right hand and am called a priest, and seem to preach the word of God. If I do something against the discipline of the church and the rule of the gospel, so that I become a scandal to you, the church, then may the whole church, in unanimous resolve, cut me its right hand off and throw me love this. I want to apply this today, right? So Origen says, if you have a priest in the church who is teaching contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, cut him off and throw him out. And I want to challenge you all on this tonight. My whole life, I don't know about all of you, but my whole life as a 41-year-old my whole life, as soon as I became a serious Catholic, it seemed like you would be orthodox and you would be with the church and you would believe what Jesus taught as long as you leaned towards the right. And I believe that has changed in the last five years in, United, in the United States and Catholicism. In our time, it has traditionally been as long as you're not on the left, you guys are on my left, so I'm going to condemn you. <laughs> on the left, right, we all know this. There are certain things that are just blatantly against what Jesus Christ and his church teach. It's obvious. If you meet a priest who teaches it is okay to support abortion, cut him off. If you meet a priest who teaches that gay marriage is acceptable, cut him off. If you meet a priest who says you do not have to be obedient to the magisterial authority of the Catholic Church, to the Pope and the bishops, 
cut him off. We should do that. And I will not name names tonight. Maybe I should. But I bet all of us can name places where we know that happens. The only person who has authority for us, or at least the church only has authority through him, is Jesus Christ. And I don't care how good a preacher someone is, or a teacher, if they are teaching against the gospel, brothers and sisters, we cannot follow them. But here's the problem. It used to be only that side of the aisle that was teaching heresy. It's happening on the right today. If you meet someone who denies that Vatican II is an authoritative council of the Catholic Church that carries the full weight of Catholicism, cut that person off that is a heresy. If you meet people who say that the Norvis Ordo Mass that we say here at Lourdes is illegitimate or lesser, that's a heresy. Cut them off. That is not the teaching of Jesus Christ or of his church. We follow one God. We follow one church. We do not follow people who veer too far off the track of what Jesus and his church teaches. I think that's so important today. And the only way you can know that, by the way, how do you know? How do you know if you're following what Jesus teaches? You have to know your faith. You have to learn what the church actually teaches. And brothers and sisters, too often today, and I'll, I'll end this first section on this, too often today, I hear all kinds of people quoting things that carry zero authority in the Catholic Church even if they're great saints. Right? People will quote, great saints. Saints are wrong on things. Of course we listen to them. Of course we revere them. Of course we venerate them. But in terms of the teaching authority of Christianity, the scriptures and the church herself are the only things that have authority. And if you know Fatima better than you know the Gospel of Mark, I want to challenge you in a big way. If you know Guadalupe better than you know 1 Corinthians, I want to challenge you in a big way. Private revelation holds zero teaching authority in the Catholic faith. If you quote, if you always find yourself quoting saints and visionaries, but you never find yourself quoting the authoritative word of God, that is a problem. Okay, finally tonight, I want to come back to that image of the sanctuary in the city. Father Garonsky, one of my mentors, he used to always love the Denver Botanical Gardens. And when we live in the city, it's so easy for us to get busy, right? You cut off in traffic. Your inbox is full. You're, you're on your phone in the car, which you shouldn't be. Right? And life is crazy. And Father Gronsky used to love to take seminarians to the Botanic Gardens. And everything just slowed down. To do what Jesus teaches us to, to do tonight, to avoid the near occasion of sin, 
to be serious, and I bet you've done it. You're, you're a regular, faithful Catholic. I bet you've done it a hundred times. You've said, okay, I've resolved. I'm not going to have my phone on uh, before I pray for 20 minutes in the morning. You tried it for a week. It was too hard. And you resolved, and you said, I watched Netflix too much. And Netflix isn't good for my soul, and it fills me with feelings of anger or lust or whatever it might be. So I'm going to get rid of Netflix. And you tried it for a month, and it was too hard. And he said, you know what? Politics get me riled up, and they fill me with hatred of others. And they fill me with despair of our country, and so I'm going to stop following politics. And he tried it for a week, and he went back. The biggest thing I can say to you tonight is that you and I have to do this together. None of us is strong enough. And most of us fight these battles on our own. We say, this leads me to sin. My eye is leading me to sin, so I'm going to pluck it out. I'm going to put an internet filter on my computer. My tongue's causing me to sin, so I'm going to stop meeting with that friend that all we'd ever do is slam other people. So I'm going to stop meeting with her. Brothers and sisters, I have always been, when I've been the best man I can be in my life, it's not because I was strong. It's because I was surrounded by people who loved God. And the culture was in the air, and it was so much easier because I didn't say, you know what, I'm going to stop listening to politics. No one was listening to And when I said, you know, I want to make a resolution and I want to get up and do my holy hour and pray, and I kept failing and failing and failing, when I found people who also wanted to do that, we did it together. This is how we do this. And my challenge to you tonight is that Our Lady of Lords should be a sanctuary in the city. And if you're not plugged in here, if you pop in here and there, you go to Mass, but you don't have relationships here, we will never build that unless we do it together. Right? You're struggling with, with you get, you're like, it's so hard not to watch Netflix. Everybody else is watching it. What if all of us did it together? And then you were in a culture where you came together with your friends at night. Instead of watching Netflix, you talked about 1 Corinthians. I'm utterly convinced this is how we do it. Jesus, I can't leave the priesthood for the monastery unless you let me. <laughs> but Jesus, I want that sanctuary. Lord, would you help us to build it together?